Welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown, and today we have another edition of Ryan's Wrestling Recap. Uh, Normally, I would have Nick and Dan joining me to talk some wrestling, but they are both unavailable this week to do so. So I'm going to be riding solo on this one. So I'm going to be recapping NXT TakeOver in your house, as well as WWE Hell in a Cell that went down the past couple of weekends. Going to go into detail in depth about what's been going on in NXT lately. You've got a return of a former NXT champion. And we're going to talk about what's coming up next for NXT. And... At the end, we'll touch on AEW. I've got a couple quick points I want to make about AEW in the last couple of weeks since their double or nothing pay-per-view. So without further ado, let's get to it. NXT TakeOver in your house was a pretty good show. Maybe not the best by NXT TakeOver's lofty standards, but still a pretty good show overall. Started off with an absolute banger of an opener. We had MSK uh, and Bronson Reed defending their championships against Legato del Fantasma. So there were two championships being defended in a winner-takes-all six-man tag team matchup. You had MSK with Nash Carter and Wesley being the NXT tag team champions. And you had Bronson Reed, the defending North American champion, teaming up, putting all the gold on the line against... Santos Escobar, a former NXT cruiserweight champion, and his stablemates, Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza. Absolute banger of a match. Uh, I, I love MSK. I get real ricochet vibes. Like MSK just feels to me like the NXT's 2021 tag team version of Ricochet, and I mean that in the best way possible. They, there is nothing they can't do in the ring. They were doing some crazy aerial flips in this match and Bronson Reed had he's he's really coming into his own uh, with the championship and this was an absolute great match through and through I'm not sure that there was any doubt in terms of who was going to win this match Uh, there but the the matchup itself was entertaining from start to finish nonetheless and that's all you can ask for I've said it before and I'll say it again when you think you know who's going to win a matchup, it and you can still get the competitors to get you to feel interested and have you on the edge of their seats, that's that's when wrestling is at its best. That is when, and obviously, it helps when you don't have uh, an idea of who's going to win. That's that's the absolute best. But when they can have you on the edge of your seat, even when you think you know who's going to win. That's, 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 that's fantastic. So great opener of a match there. Then we had Zia Lee of the Tian Sha group facing Mercedes Martinez. Not so great of a matchup here. Definitely does, didn't live up to the lofty standards of a takeover match. But there is this storyline with Tian Shad, they've been progressing over the past several weeks and months. And they finally felt that they needed 
to really put this storyline in a spotlight. So what better way to do that than a takeover? So clearly they felt strongly enough about this storyline arc to put it on the takeover stage, even though the quality of the matchup and the fact that it was only a seven minute match kind of shows you where they, that they seem to have big plans for Tian Shao. What those plans are, I don't know. We'll have to find out. But this match didn't really do much a whole lot for me. And we didn't really find anything out about Tian Sha and Mei Ying, who's leading this group, other than the fact that she can do more than stand up from her chair. So this one didn't really do a heck of a lot for me. But that was really the only matchup that didn't really do a whole lot for me. So still... We'll, we'll, we'll live with it. Then you get into the mid card here and we have LA Knight taking on Cameron Grimes in a ladder match for the million dollar championship. Ted DiBiase coming back into the scene, looking for someone to carry on his legacy, take the million dollar championship. And this, this was a really, really fantastic match. Both, both of them putting their, their bodies on the line with some brutal ladder spots and in the end, I, I thought Cameron Grimes was going to get his moment here. He was going to go to the moon, get that title, champ, that championship belt, carry on the legacy. But it was not to be. He got shoved off the top of the ladder onto another ladder. And LA Knight is your new million-dollar champion. Now, after in the NXT shows that followed, since then, he has kicked Ted Tibiasi to the curb, gone full-blown heel. Even if so, if there was any doubt about him where his character stood, now you know. And we're gonna have a rematch between LA Knight and Cameron Grimes for that million dollar championship coming up at NXT's next sort of big TV event, the Great American Bash. And I will talk about that event a little bit later. And that that matchup definitely has some big stakes. So we'll see how that one goes. In the semi-main event, Raquel Gonzalez retained her NXT Women's Championship against former NXT, a former NXT Women's Champion in her own right, Ember Moon. This had the potential to be a really good match. Like, damn near great. But for some reason, it whether maybe it was they just didn't get enough time or maybe... They didn't click. Uh, this this matchup just felt like it never really hit the next gear. It just didn't feel like it hit went to the next level. And so this just kind of was a, a fine matchup. Seemed like the first of something. Like it, normally, if you're gonna have a one-off, you have a banger of a match. But it didn't really seem like that here. So a little disappointing here for the quality of the matchup i mean i've talked about raquel gonzalez about her character progression since her start with nxt and she's been putting out some great work with dakota kai and this this wasn't the best of her work it was fine but i i was hoping i i guess i had maybe i had my hopes up too high for this one just didn't hit quite hit the mark for me what did hit the mark for me, however, was the main event. Karrion Cross retaining his NXT championship in a fatal five-way match against 
Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, and Pete Dunne. Now, the, the latter four there, his, all of his challengers, those four are absolutely incredible competitors. If you want to put on a wrestling clinic of any sort, one-on-one, tag team, triple threat, you name it, just pick one of those four, a couple of those guys, and they will put it on for you. They'll show you what a true wrestling match looks like. Now, Karrion Cross is, is an interesting character for me. Now, he's, he's starting to feel, to me, like the NXT version of Brock Lesnar. And here's why I say that. In this, in this Fatal 5-Way match, O'Reilly, Cole, Gargano, and Pete Dunne did the majority of the work. Cross was only there to just be the big, bad, evil guy, big, bad, evil champion who everyone had to gang up on to take out, sits out for five, six minutes at a time, then comes back with a vengeance, rise, rinse, repeat, until finally everyone else had beaten the ever-living crap out of each other, and Cross rose up again and took out one, one of them, and none of, them else, none of the rest of the competitors were able to stop so what I so what the reason I make this Brock Lesnar comparison is because it just gave me it just I had a flashback to these Brock Lesnar matches where he like the fatal four way for Brock Lesnar where he defended the Universal Championship at SummerSlam against Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman. Lesnar was out of that matchup for half the time, and in this cross matchup, you could almost say the same thing. Both have very dominant characters. Their signature moves are both of some form of a suplex. It seems like their sort of wrestling move package is kind of confined and limited. It's very focused on what they are great at and doesn't look to spread out too much. And it's their characters are just focused on be intimidation, whether it's through the entrance the character or just the dominance. And so I'm getting these Brock Lesnar vibes with Karrion Cross. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. So I'll, I'll have to, we'll have to see how that goes, but I'm, that's how I feel about Karrion Cross. I think he's a great champion, but he's not the best worker. So the way that they are propelling him to a rock shit, they've done it twice now because he had to vacate the NXT championship initially after beating Keith Lee for it. Then he had to take some time off, and then they put him back on the rocket ship once he was cleared, undefeated, won it all, won it again, and hasn't lost since. So that was NXT TakeOver in your house. Very good show. I probably would give it a B, just because... There were two matches where I felt like they didn't really quite live up to that at that takeover standard. And usually takeovers are completely over the over the top through and through. So a solid takeover, definitely not the best. Now, since then, after in your house, at the end of the show. William Regal, who's the NXT general manager, said he had 
basically had enough. He didn't know if he could do it anymore and all the chaos and whatnot. Maybe it was time for a change. Basically teasing that there might be a new general manager. Well, on the following edition of NXT TV, former NXT champion Samoa Joe, who had recently been released by WWE, showed up. And while he declined to take the GM position from Mr. Regal, he did accept an enforcer position working in tandem with William Regal. So super happy to see Samoa Joe back in the mix, especially on NXT. Hopefully this will lead to him getting back into the ring somewhere down the line. When that will be, your guess is as good as mine, but it was super good to see Samoa Joe back. He made an impact very quickly in terms of confronting the NXT champion, Karrion Cross, choking out Adam Cole, and just absolutely setting the mood for NXT going forward. Now, in terms of going forward, NXT is looking forward to the Great American Bash, which goes down next Tuesday, as I record on Tuesday, June 29th. And so far, we have four matches set. We've got an NXT tag team champion match between MSK and the team of Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. You've got an NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match between The Ways, Candice LeRae, and Indy Hartwell, taking on Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. You've got the Million Dollar Championship matchup that I alluded to earlier between LA Knight and Cameron Grimes. But if Grimes loses, he becomes LA Knight's personal butler. So a lot on the line for Cameron Grimes. And then what's looking like the main event for now is Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly 2. I think that's definitely going to be the main event, but with no NXT championship match announced, it's possible that they could put that match in the main event if one were to be announced in the coming days between now and then. But with virtually no build to an NXT championship match aside from Johnny Gargano and his running mate, Austin Theory of the way, attacking Karrion Cross once or twice since TakeOver in your house. There hasn't been a whole lot of build to this potential match. I feel like it would be rushed if they threw it on the Great American Bash show. So my guess is those four matches that are confirmed will be the only matches Perhaps they add a surprise match in there, but we'll see. I, I think Cole O'Reilly 2 is going to be amazing, if, especially given how Cole O'Reilly 1 went. That was an instant classic. And like I had said going into the first matchup between these two, I really think this could be a, a, just a really good trilogy, like on par with Cole's trilogy with Johnny Gargano. I've, I really believe that. And if this one hits the mark and Cole wins, it all but, all but assures that there will be a Cole O'Reilly 3 somewhere down the line. And last but not least, to, on tonight's edition of NXT, the Hit Rose leader, Isaiah Swerve Scott, picked up a big win, upsetting the current NXT, now former, NXT North American champion Bronson Reed 
So Swerve is the new NXT North American champion. Bringing gold to Hit Row. Hit Row seems to be on a big time upward trajectory in the NXT landscape. I wouldn't be surprised if they also added the NXT Tag Team Championships to their group somewhere in short order. But I don't, I'm not in charge of who makes the matches and whatnot. So who knows? But don't be surprised if you see Hit Row add more gold to their group. So that's that's what I gotta say about NXT. Let's let's move on to the the bigger universe of WWE. They recently had the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And I'm just going to start with with this because I I think I got to get it off my chest. It's I think it's an opinion that's come up from other people on the Internet, and I tend to agree with it in that WWE kind of needs to get away from these gimmick name pay-per-views like Hell in a Cell and TLC. They just they got to get away from these. It, It doesn't like. If you're going to name a pay-per-view after a match gimmick, then you have to use that gimmick the majority of the time. But at the same time, a TLC match and a Hell in a Cell match are supposed to feel special. And by devoting an entire pay-per-view to it and having multiple of those matches on the same night kind of soils it, in my opinion. So... I would prefer they return to using names like No Mercy and Backlash and Judgment Day. These random names that, that sound kind of cool, but they don't really give away what's going on in terms of the match types that night. You could you could have uh you could have an eliminate like elimination chamber doesn't need to have a paper entire pay-per-view devoted to it. You should have that match come up when you absolutely when you have this multi-person championship feud for a, a title that needs to be settled once and for all. Same thing could be said for Hell in a Cell and even TLC. Save those for those end of the feud, end of the rivalry situations, not just use it for a pay-per-view and have multiple versions of, of that match. All right. Now that I got that off my chest, we can talk about Hell in a Cell 2021. Now, I find it very interesting that of the six matches on the card, all six were single matches. Not a single tag team match to be found on this card. So I, we've talked about in the past on previous editions of Ryan's Wrestling Recap, how WWE just seems to not really give a crap about the tag team division and show no effort towards really building their tag team divisions. And Hell in a Cell was just another note on that notch of we don't care. Now, they care a little bit because they've got some good teams like the Street Profits, the Usos, and currently on SmackDown, the champions are the Mysterios, Dominic and Ray. So SmackDown has 
a solid foundation for its tag division, including the former tag team champions, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. But you look on Raw and you've got AJ Styles and, and his big, heavy, almost. And they've had absolutely nothing to work with in terms of the tag team division since winning those titles back at WrestleMania. And so it's really no surprise to see no tag team title matches on this card because they haven't done anything really with the tag titles or the tag team divisions as a whole. And when you have one half of your tag team champions on a show challenging for that show's world title, I mean, clearly you've got nothing going on in the tag team division. So let's just have one of the tag champions challenge for the world title. Cause why not? Now, that being said, all of these single matches were very good. So don't get me, don't, don't get it wrong. Don't, don't get it twisted. Like, I very much enjoyed this show as a whole. Uh, save for the Alexa Bliss, Shayna Baszler match, which kind of like the Xyli Mercedes Martinez match on TakeOver was more or less just on the card to help advance the Alexa Bliss storyline. Seven minutes of just weird stuff going on and not really advancing the storyline a heck of a lot anyways. So my, my favorite part, uh, my favorite match of the bunch was actually the opener, which was Bianca Belair facing Bailey in a hell in a cell match for the SmackDown women's championship. It was a rematch from WrestleMania backlash and it was really freaking good. Like, Bianca Belair has just been unable to have a bad match since being brought up to the main roster or however you like, since coming up to to SmackDown. It's just, what, what more can you say about Bianca Belair other than she is absolutely a bonafide superstar and Bailey made her to look that part every bit. And that finish with Bianca Belair hitting... The KOD onto a sideways propped up ladder. Oof. Not only did that look brutal, but it, it definitely did not feel great for Bailey. And it was believable as a finish. So I really, I, I like the callbacks to the double kendo sticks from Bailey. I enjoyed just the pure brutality of the match. And I thought it was easily the best match on the card. Now, where Bianca Belair goes from here, seems like Bailey might hang around in the title picture a little bit longer. So we'll have to see about that. Maybe Bailey will have to go through money in the bank next month in order to get another shot. But she looks like she may still be in the conversation for one last shot, even though she just had a hell in a cell match for the title. But who knows? Maybe Sasha Banks returns to confront Belair and ask slash demand her rematch. Only time will tell. 
Now, the other women's championship match between with Rhea Ripley defending the Raw Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair. Really good match, but ended the way it ended absolutely soiled it as the match ended by disqualification after Ripley used the cover for the announcer's table to hit Charlotte Flair across the head with it. Now, the announcer the announce table has been used for far worse and far more nefarious means to injure other superstars, other wrestlers. So I don't understand how this can, the, the, I, don't, I don't see the logic how this could call for a disqualification. I realize it's pro wrestling and you can do pretty much whatever you want to do, make up whatever kind of rules you want. But this one doesn't make any sense to me at all. Luckily, they've already booked the rematch for the Money in the Bank pay-per-view next month in July. So hopefully they'll make it up. And they won't have a crummy finish because if they have another screwy finish, this time in front of a packed house in Houston, Texas, that fan reaction is not going to go over so well. And then in the main event, you had Bobby Lashley defending the WWE Championship against Drew McIntyre inside Hell in a Cell, where if McIntyre lost, he would no longer be able to challenge Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship so long as Lashley remains champion. And Lashley was able to roll Drew McIntyre up thanks to a distraction from MVP, who had managed to get inside the cage during the final moments of the match. So Drew McIntyre no longer able to challenge for the WWE title for the foreseeable future. But there's a catch. As I mentioned, Money in the Bank is next month. And guess who qualified for the Money in the Bank ladder match? You guessed it, Drew McIntyre. Which technically means he had, if he were to win that ladder match, he would have a contract for a world championship match at any time, any place. But technically, due to the stipulation from this Hell in a Cell match, he can no longer challenge Lashley for the title. So I don't know if Money in the Bank supersedes any sort of previous agreed upon stipulations or not. That will be something to look out for for sure, especially if McIntyre were to win that match. Uh, but if he were to win and that stipulation sort of supersedes the money in the bank contract, then basically we've got Drew McIntyre with money in the bank and presumably only being able to challenge one champion, that being the universal champion, the head of the table, Roman Reigns. So where Drew McIntyre goes from here, if he doesn't win Money in the Bank, is anyone's guess. And even if he does win Money in the Bank, there are still plenty of questions as to who is he going to challenge, who can he challenge f- with that contract, and when does he use it? Perhaps he uses it at SummerSlam so that he can get his big moment that he, he he's missed out on the previous two WrestleManias. 
Now, speaking of Roman Reigns, he was supposed to defend the Universal Championship inside Hell in a Cell against Rey Mysterio, who is one half of the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. But that match got moved to the SmackDown before Hell in a Cell. And I think this was actually a really good play on WWE's part. They don't do this. Uh, it's not too often that I find myself saying that. But in this case, I think they actually did a really good job here because what this match absolutely would have been the main event, which means that the Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre match would not have been the main event of Hell in a Cell. And that match wouldn't have felt as big as it did go and finishing the end of the show. And Roman and Ray were still able to put on a great match inside the cell on SmackDown. And it, it almost served as a teaser for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So I, I would say that was a win-win for WWE. They also did one on Raw the following night with Lashley again putting the title on the line. Actually, take that back. He did not put the title on the line, but he was willing to step inside Hell in a Cell again for the second night in a row to take on the New Day's Xavier Woods. And in terms of where Roman goes from here, I think we got our answer on the previous edition of Friday Night SmackDown where we saw the return of the rated R superstar Edge who demanded that he get his one-on-one shot that he never got after winning the Royal Rumble. And it has been made official. So Roman Reigns will take on Edge for the Universal Championship at Money in the Bank next month. And that is going to be absolutely amazing cannot wait for that that has to be the main event by and far away and it should be an absolute classic finally i want to wrap up with some aew notes uh there's two of which i really want to get into in particular the first being the arrival of andrade el idolo he was released months ago from wwe And he has now arrived to AEW. Now, he has said that he is coming for that the world championship and that he wants to be champion. Well, that means he's going to have to beat the AEW world champion, Kenny Omega, which is interesting because Kenny Omega also happens to be the AAA mega champion which Andrade El Idolo also happens to be the current number one contender for. And Andrade will be facing Omega in a month and a half's time in August at Triple Mania for that mega championship. And so very interesting to see that Andrade gunning for Omega, not only for that Triple A championship, but for AEW's world championship at some point down the line as well. And pairing him with Vicky Guerrero, I think adds a bit of more of legitimacy to him. And I think that's also a smart play by AEW to do that. The other thing that I want to talk about is Kenny Omega in terms of 
his recent title defense of the AEW World Championship against Jungle Boy. I thought that was a very good match on Dynamite. It led to a big-time scrum at the end where after Omega had defeated Jungle Boy, Omega tried to bash his t- the title belt over Jungle Boy. Christian Cage came out and made the save only for members of the elite to come down. And, well, members of Matt Hardy's group, actually, the HFO, to come down and put a beating on Christian Cage with assists from members of the elite as well. So Kenny Omega may have some a lot of friends, but he certainly is building a lot of enemies. So he just survived this title defense of the AEW world title against Jungle Boy. He has that title defense of the AAA Mega Championship against Andrade, and he also is the Impact World Champion. And he has to defend that championship next month against Sammy Callahan at Impact's Slammiversary pay-per-view. So Kenny Omega is a busy man. He's, a, he's got three world titles currently. And I'm very interested to see how for how much longer I can say that. Because if I'm being honest, I don't think I'm going to be able to say that for much longer. I could be wrong. Maybe, but I, I think it won't be too much longer before he loses at least one of them. And the belt collector gimmick kind of starts to lose its steam. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this this is only the beginning. Only time will tell. But I think that's going to do it this week for Ryan's Wrestling Recap. Hopefully next time we do it, we will have Nick and Dan on hand to, to discuss what's gone down in the world of pro wrestling over the past month or so. But thus, it's time to bid you all adieu. And for myself, I am your host, and we will see you next time.